There's a saying you hear a lot in the world of interviewing and hiring, and sometimes in athletics. Past performance is the best indicator of future behavior. In other words, if you want to know what someone is likely to do in a job you're considering hiring them for, don't pay attention to what they say about what they think they're going to do. Pay attention to how they have behaved in the past. Someone who's shown leadership skills in previous situations is, all other things being equal, likely to show leadership skills again in the future. Somebody who's been resourceful or flaky or creative in the past is likely to act those ways in the future. Now, this is not a universal principle, right? We are not prisoners of our pasts, thank God. People change and people grow and people can try on and develop new ways of behaving. But it's also true that most of us do have a certain personality and certain preferences and certain ways of acting in the world that are fairly stable. Even actors get typecast. And you would think that of all people, actors are the people who are most able to try out a wide variety of different ways of behaving. And yet over and over again, we often see people in a similar role that sort of matches their way of existing and their voice and characteristics. A couple years ago, I read a book called The Happiness Project by an author named Gretchen Rubin. And one of the rules that the author developed for herself in trying to be more happy was be Gretchen. And what she had realized was that she spent a lot of time and energy trying to change herself. She sometimes wished that she was the kind of person who enjoyed going to jazz clubs at midnight. And so she would do it trying to stretch herself and she wouldn't have a good time. And she eventually realized that she really liked staying at home in her PJs. And so for her, being Gretchen means that she learned to give herself permission to do that and to let someone else be the person who enjoys going out to jazz clubs. Now, when it comes to God, I don't want to say that God is limited by a personality type in the way that a human being would be. God being God is the source of all our personalities and all our various gifts and passions. And God can behave in any way God chooses. And yet, in a certain sense, I do think it's also fair to say that God has certain recurring patterns of behavior. And a good example is in our Old Testament reading this morning. This passage comes from the book of Isaiah, specifically from the section of it that scholars call Second Isaiah, because it's pretty clear it's by a different prophet than the first Isaiah. And it comes from a time when the people of Israel are in exile. Their land has been conquered by the empire of Babylon. Most of them have been taken to live in exile in Babylon, and they are yearning and pining for a day of deliverance. And so the prophet speaks God's message and says, that day is at hand. Slavery is almost over. God is about to act. And what is going to happen is that the chosen people will be led out of Babylon across the desert through the wilderness, nourished by miraculous food and drink in the desert, and brought out in safety to the promised land. And so God says, I am about to do a new thing. Do you not perceive it? But the funny thing in this passage is that actually the new thing 
Sounds a lot like the old thing. Because this passage harkens back directly to the foundational narrative of the people of Israel, which is that centuries earlier, the people of Israel were in slavery, not in Babylon, but in Egypt. And God acted with a mighty arm to bring them out of slavery, led them across the wilderness and through the desert where God fed them miraculously with food and drink and led them in safety to the promised land. And so when God says, do not remember the former things or consider the things of old, I am about to do a new thing, it's as if God is saying that this is one of the rare cases where the sequel is even better than the original. God is once again acting according to type. There's actually, it seems, something about who God is, something about God's personality that says, this is what God does. In a certain sense, God is always doing something new, and in another sense, God only ever does one thing. Because bringing people out of slavery and into freedom, acting to save God's people, is what God does, over and over. In the midst of deepest suffering, when evil seems to have triumphed, God acts to set people free. Now, this is easier to make sense of in hindsight. Because when you're in the middle of the oppression and the evil and the slavery, it doesn't look like God is doing a new thing. And so it's only afterwards that God's people are able to say, yes, this is God's way of acting. This is the same God we knew from before. Do you not perceive it? Do you not perceive the pattern of God's behavior, each time unexpected and new, but each time fitting the same pattern of old? For Jesus' disciples, the story seemed to be completely over. They had hoped that he would be the one who would fulfill the hopes of God's people of Israel by bringing about God's kingdom on earth. And instead, what Jesus did was to bring down all the power of religion and empire onto his own head. Already in today's gospel, we have started to feel the gathering clouds in the story of his anointing beforehand for his burial. And next week, we will plunge deep into the heart of the mystery, into the dark shadows of betrayal and death. And it's just then that God does the most unexpected and new thing of all. In raising Jesus from the dead, death is destroyed. Violence is defeated. And this is a very new thing. And yet, in another way, it fits the pattern. It's in keeping with what God has always done. No one could have predicted it, but in retrospect, it makes sense. And the disciples are able to say, yes, this is the same God we knew from before. It's that event that transforms their lives. And it's that resurrection event that keeps reverberating down through the centuries to transform ours and will keep reverberating down to God's final victory, when God's love is all. Now that is slow and sometimes imperceptible. Evil and death are still hard at work in our world, in ways big and small. But God is still acting. Even when we least expect it, God does the same old new thing again, and walls come down and people go free.
It never happens without people perceiving what God is up to and joining in. But it never happens people acting on our own initiative. It happens through the breath of God's wild spirit breathing over the world. And that is the pattern that is knit into the fabric of the universe. Or a better way to say it is that is the personality of the God who created the universe. I say personality is a better metaphor than pattern because the fullest revelation of God is not an abstract pattern. It's a person. It's the human being, Jesus. That is the person that Paul fell so deeply in love with as he writes that all the best and noblest things in his life came to seem like so much rubbish and loss compared to the delight of knowing Jesus in his resurrection. And it's the same person that Mary fell so deeply in love with that she poured out the priceless perfume to caress his feet and honor his person in the days before he was glorified. This is the same person that we can meet today. Whenever two or three of us gather in his name, when we read the words of scripture, when we celebrate the holy meal, when we serve one another, when we encounter those who suffer, we meet Jesus. And we are about to dive once again into the heart of the story. So that next time we gather together as a parish family, it will be to wave palms and celebrate his entry into Jerusalem. And then to hear the story of his humiliation and suffering and to walk the path towards the cross and the empty tomb. Holy Week and Easter are the whole pattern of God's love, of God's personality in miniature. A God who gives and loves and suffers and is victorious. And we do this every year. It is always the same. It is not a new thing. And yet, it is a new thing each time. Because what we do in Holy Week and Easter is not just a dramatic memorial of things that happened back then and in the past. What we do in Holy Week is today. Because the same Jesus is alive and present today, and the same Holy Spirit is blowing where she wills. The mystery is always the same, but you and I are different as we come to it this year. And God is at work, not just back then, but here and now. And so where in your life, I wonder, is God about to do a new thing? The same old new thing. Where this Easter, even somewhere in your life where you might least expect it, where might God be about to act and set you free? <laughs>